0: We're going to be looking at a passage of scripture uh, tonight from Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, we're going to read uh, verse 14 through verse 26. There's no PowerPoint tonight, so you'll need to look this passage up. And the title of the message is, Who is Living in Your House? Who is Living in Your House? Now he was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the people marveled. But some of them said, He cast out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, while others to test him kept seeking a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and a divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away the armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. is worse than the first. That's the scripture and we're going to look at it and we're going to divide it into parts and talk about many things including this passage of scripture. The very first point in the message is simply this and this is something we all already know. Uh, The power of Satan is a real and present power. I think this is the third Sunday night in a row. I believe Brother John Henry preached on the gathering demoniac when I was away. Uh, and I preached last week on uh, a, a case of uh, someone being afflicted with a demon. And here, the third Sunday night in a row, when we take uh, the case of a demon in the life of an individual. Uh, so the question you might have is this. Is the power of Satan as real and as present, and as potent in our day as it was in Jesus' day. That's one of the questions that we need to ask. And I would suggest to you that to answer that question, all you have to do is watch the news. How many times a week do you ask yourself, what in the world is going on? What is wrong with people? Wherever you find a a person in bondage, you find the power of Satan working hand in hand with the power of sin that we talked about this morning to enslave a man. And the Bible makes it very clear. According to 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul said in verse 25, in the middle of that verse, to verse 26, that a person can fall into the snare of the devil and be captured by him to do his will. Think of that. Any person can fall into the snare of the devil and be captured by him to do his will. So here in this story is a person who was caught in the grip of some demon. The devil can't be in all places at all times, so he uses demons to do his bidding. Demons work in and around our lives and in our world. What are these demons? Well, they're dark forces, dark influences dark powers that may not always appear to be dark or evil, but nonetheless, they lead people away from God and into bondage. We might call them fallen angels. They're that too. They work to bring men into the devil's snare so that those men will be held captive by him to do his will. So simply put, the power of the devil is a real and present power. This leads us to our second point. Satan exercises his power in the world of men. Now we're led to believe, uh, I think by some, especially by the media, that Satan's power is rare and surrounds some kind of paranormal activity that's hard to identify. But the devil's work touches you and it touches me. It influences us. The devil uses all the Resources at his disposal to spread his lies. Not long ago, we looked at the 6th chapter of Ephesians where Paul said we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, these cosmic powers, uh, these spiritual forces use our world, its means, and its methods to touch your life and mine. So I want to ask you a question. Do you suppose Satan's power is manifested on social media? Is Satan's power manifested on the television and on the Internet? Can you see it there? Last week we saw how the devil had his foot in a local synagogue it was in a synagogue that a demon raised his ugly head when Jesus was there teaching. And if he can be at work in a synagogue, certainly he can be at work in a local church. He, he exercises his influence by controlling the lives of certain individuals to their own harm and to the hurt of everyone around. So here is a man who had a demon who had power over his speech making him mute, but you've also seeing the devil have power over a person's tongue, making them say things that they shouldn't say, spreading hurt and harm. So the power of Satan is a real and present power, and he exercises that power in the world of men. There are demons in the world today at work around your life and around mine, at work in your community, in your media, and at work in the highest levels of government. Here's number three. Satan has the ability... To disguise his presence and power. Now, I, I guess you know that early in Genesis we find that the devil is a master at reframing God's word. He used that tactic from the very beginning with Eve, raising doubts about God's word. He he suggested to her that maybe she misunderstood God or perhaps God was being too restrictive. Certainly, it was not a sin to eat of the fruit. Certainly, it wouldn't violate her faith to eat of the fruit. In fact, it would be good for her to eat of the fruit. It would be freeing, in a sense, to be free of God and his restrictions on her life. Now, if you'll listen, and it's happened over the, and it's, it's a string of events that I've watched happen over the last several weeks, and I'm going to string them together for you to show you how it's happening. There is a subtle reframing of the argument about abortion. Now, let's get one thing straight. Abortion, for those who might not understand, it refers to ending pregnancy. It's terminating the life of a child inside the mother, and the support for such action is not, and let me say this, when they say it's all about protecting uh, the life of a mother, if a mother's life is in danger, how many women who are pregnant, how many of them, how many of them's life is in danger by pregnancy? All of them. Let's just get that straight to begin with. It's it's a if if you've ever had a daughter and she's pregnant, then you under. I never worried about it when, but when my daughter when my wife was, pre- I never thought about how she was. But when my daughters. I thought about how they were. every woman who carries a baby risk her life to bring another life into the world. That's how it's been since the beginning of time. But this is not about the health of the mother, but the choice of the mother. They believe it's the mother's right to terminate the life of the child if she doesn't want it, if, if it interferes with her future, if it would be an inconvenience, or for any other reason, right down to protecting the integrity of her figure. Again... Abortion for those who might not understand it refers to terminating the life of a child inside its mother. Now, just as the devil reframed his conversation with Eve, or he disguised himself and disguised the conversation he had with Eve, reframing what God told her, leading to be leading her to believe all these things about God, would it be possible for political leaders under the influence of demons, satanic influence, to reframe the conversation about certain issues and make it appear that the Bible was being too restrictive. Here's some illustrations. Nancy Pelosi recently stated that it was sinful, sinful not to support abortion, not to support terminating a child inside its mother, and make no mistake, it is a child while at the same time not placing any limit on the moment the mother had the right to do that, even up to the moment of birth. That was Nancy Pelosi. She's third in line, is she not, as the Speaker of the House until November. Vice President Harris said that people, just a couple of weeks ago, said that people should understand that you don't have to violate your faith to support abortion. Terminating the life of a child inside its mother up to any moment the mother might choose. And the president said, I think accidentally, by the way, on abortion and on supporting abortion, he said, his father said, and I hate to bring up political things, but this is just, this is all strung out over the last few weeks in a row, and I want you to see it. He said, in the, in, the, in the case of abortion, don't compare me, he said, my father, like my father always said, don't compare me to the Almighty. Compare me to the alternative or the other guy. And the president himself will also not pl- commit to placing any limit on what at what point an abortion might take place. Just yesterday, Jill Biden the president's wife, confessed that she helped a friend get an illegal abortion back in the 60s, and she questioned how in the world could we turn back the clock to such a barbaric time when women had to do this illegally. Well, when we turn back the clock to the 60s, women also didn't have ultrasounds. That only was developed it was really crude, the few women who got it. It was really crude. There wasn't much you could find out. We know so much more now. Follow the science. Science has led us to a better understanding about the development of the child in the womb, and it is a child. Well, just to bring the case a little further Satanist, oh, did I say that? Exactly. Satanist came out this week decrying the, the fact that any ban on abortion prevents them from, from practicing their religion and celebrating their abortion ritual. And by the way, the abortion ritual is, quote, in their own papers, a destruction ritual through, through which the woman affirms her right to do as she pleases hoping not only to destroy the child inside her, but also any negative feelings that she might have associated with the the event. And part of the words of the ritual include the woman saying these words, by my body, by my blood, my will be done. Now the Bible warns in 2 Corinthians, Paul said, you need to be really careful. Because Satan can disguise himself, he can refrain these conversations, he can make himself look good. He said, there are people like that, and the devil does that. He said, such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15. I said that about abortion as an aside, as an illustration more than anything else because I think that needs to be said and it needs to be seen how this is being reframed, as many things are being reframed, that the Bible has said as if the Bible is somehow wrong. So the power of Satan is a real and present power. We see this in the Bible. We see it in this particular story in the Bible. Second, Satan exercises his power in the world of men, and Satan has the ability to disguise his presence and power. Number four, Satan's power is a destructive power the satanic ritual of abortion is called a destruction ritual. Well, in Mark chapter 9, uh, I love the story that when Jesus encounters the Father, who has the little boy who has a demon, and Jesus, with compassion says, and when he sees the, the demon sees the boy, literally, he asked the Father, He said, How long has this been happening to him? Because the father said, look, if you can help us do anything, because often it takes him and throws him into the fire or into the water to destroy him, because that was the intent. Why would the devil want to destroy a child? Well, in fact, throughout Scripture, this has been one of his primary purposes. He delights in destroying children. We see it at the birth of Moses. Pharaoh, the instrument of the enemy, was killing children. We see it at the birth of Jesus. Herod was killing children. Uh, we see it in the Old Testament in the history of God's own people. Under King Manasseh, some of the people were practicing child sacrifice as a ritual of destruction, offering their own children to the, to the, to the demon god Molech. And we won't talk about how they did that. In the book of Revelation, The king of all these demons is is called Abaddon, which means the place of destruction, and his name is Apollyon, which means destruction. He's the king of the bottomless pit out of of which all these demons come. Now, some see this Abaddon and Apollyon as Satan. Uh, Others see this as one of his high-powered underlings, but you should understand that these demons do the work of their king. Their intent is to steal kill and destroy. The man in this story was mute. He was only mute at this point, only mute. He had a demon which made him mute. What other intentions did that demon uh, have for him? Perhaps you know uh, that the devil has some influence in your life. He's at work in some area of your life. What, do you, what intentions do you think he has for you? What intentions do you think he has for your children? It's no less than the destruction of everything that's precious in your life and ultimately if he could he would destroy your soul next in this story we see that Jesus points out that Satan's power can only be broken by one stronger I refer you again to verse 21 where Jesus said when a strong man fully armed guards his own palace his goods are safe But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. Now, we said this morning that the only way to be delivered from the power of sin was through the strength of a deliverer, and that deliverer is the Lord Jesus Christ. How would this man in this story be free? How could he become free? How can you be free? What can you do? Can I free myself from Satan's power? Can I free myself from some demonic influence that might be tormenting me or toying with me? No, you can't. Jesus is the is the deliverer who frees from sin and Satan. Now, something I know you see here is something we've already mentioned. The devil wanted this story to be reframed, and so how did he reframe it? He said, well, he, he, he suggested to these leaders, and they went on to suggest that maybe this is Beelzebul. He's He's sort of, uh, he's dividing up his kingdom. We, we heard that in the, in the message tonight in discipleship training, training that the devil is a, that's part of who he is. He's a divider. Well, uh, Jesus said he's not going to be dividing his own kingdom because if he divides it up, he's going, it's going to be leading to his destruction. And so the name Beelzebub means it can mean two things. It can mean Lord of the flies or Lord of dung. And they said, Jesus is working by the Lord of the flies or the Lord of dung. This is the Lord of dung working through Jesus. Well, Jesus uh, said uh, we don't need to be attributing God's work to the devil. And so this is, uh, this is not God's power doing this. They said this is the devil's power. And I'm sure you, most of you are aware of this reframing of biblical truth in the culture today. If the Bible says something is wrong, then the devil reframes it so that the Bible is wrong. If the Bible says homosexuality is wrong, then the Bible must be be wrong. It demeans the authority of Scripture and it denies the authority of God. That's what's happening in our culture today. Systematically, systematically undermining what Scripture says. Now this is the moment Jesus pointed out what should have been obvious. Nobody breaks into a strong man's house unless he's stronger than the strong man. So here's the good message that we see. Jesus is stronger than the devil. He's stronger than the devil on the devil's best day or on your worst day. We'll talk about that a little more. Look at verse 23. Jesus said, Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. This is simply to say there's no neutrality in life. You're either on the Lord's side or you're on the devil's side. Next point. The life not filled with and controlled by God's power is susceptible to the power of the enemy. Verse 24, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. As nature abhors a vacuum, so the soul of man doesn't abide empty. It belongs to someone. Jesus told the Pharisees, he said, you belong to your father, the devil. Who do you belong to? Who controls you? Who do you listen to? Whose will do you follow? Who controls your thoughts? Who controls your action? Who controls your tongue? Who controls your passions? Are you with Jesus or against him? Is he in your life controlling you? Or is the devil controlling you? Now, let's just say a person might sweep their life clean a little bit. And you've seen people do that down through the years. Sweep their life clean, get it all cleaned up for just a little while. The devil will give you a little bit of slack in your chain. But a life without Christ is a welcome home for the devil. Now we ask the question that's the title of the message. Who is living in your house? You know what Jesus is talking about? Jesus is talking about the devil taking up residence in a person's life. By the way, there are several different stages of demon possession in Scripture. We have this man who had a demon that made him mute. We had other worst cases where individual demons did different things to different people. Like the boy, the demon was going to destroy him. He had seizures and it, it was constant, and his father was brokenhearted because of it. Then there's Mary Magdalene. Do you know that she had seven demons that Jesus cast out of her? And then there's the guy that I think Brother John Henry talked about, that gathering demoniac who said, I'm filled with a legion of demons. So who's living in your house? Who's controlling you? I raise these questions to remind you of what the Scripture says here. This is the last point in the message. There is a last state of man in this world before he steps into eternity. Jesus said, uh, you know, what happens is man cleans up his life, the devil gets out of his life for just a little while, and the demon comes back one day, the unclean spirit, that's the same as a demon, the unclean spirit comes back and finds his house empty and said, nobody's living here, I think I'll move back in. And I think I'll bring seven more demons to move in with me. That's between Mary Magdalene, if you think about it, and the Gadarene demoniac. This man's got eight demons living in his life, and Jesus said the last state of that man is worse than the first. Now, uh, what does that mean? Well, that means there's a deepening darkness, a deepening doom, and ultimately such a person without deliverance from the Lord Jesus Christ will will spend eternity with the devil and his demons. Now, nobody here desires for that to be our last state. And prayerfully, if there's someone here tonight who realizes the power of the devil in your life, whatever state that power might be in or state of oppression you might be under or bondage you might be in, you'll cry out, for deliverance. Can you be delivered? Can you even in the late stages of demonic control? Yes. And that's why we have these stories in our Bible. Jesus is stronger. He illustrated, he illustrated it in cases where nobody else had been able to help. The disciples weren't able to help the father with a little boy that had the demon that often cast him into the fire, into the water to destroy him. Then there was the Syrophoenician woman who came to Jesus and said, My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. Have mercy on us. And then in the case of Mary, Magdalene, who had the seven demons, and any time we see that seven in the Bible, that's fullness. She was fully possessed of the devil. And in the case of the man who had legions of demons, thousands of demons, that he is he is the most hopeless case in Scripture. He is the person most in bondage by the devil. Nobody had been able to tame him. They chained him and he broke the chains and he cut himself with stones and lived among the tombs. That was not his last state because Jesus set him free. And the Bible ends that story and I love the way it ends. He that had been possessed of the devil prayed that he he might be with him. Jesus' power is stronger over any power the enemy might possess over your life. And he can break, say,